0: the latest in agricultural media, and some smart conversation. This is the Ag Communicators Network Podcast, and here's your host, Kelsey Litchfield.
1: Welcome to another episode of the AgCom Network Podcast. I'm Kelsey Litchfield, and I'm being joined today by Holly Spangler, editor at Prairie Farmer here in Illinois. And our guest is Joanne Allenbaugh, and we are going to talk about what I wish I'd known in my 20s. But before we get to that conversation, a little bit about Joanne, she grew up on a diversified farm outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan. When she was talking about her background, she had mentioned that where she grew up, she wasn't very far from downtown Ann Arbor, and that they could also hear the football game going on at the University of Michigan Stadium. From their farm, so it was kind of like the best of both worlds. Um, then, two weeks after graduation, Joanne started working full time at a magazine and has been involved in ag journalism ever since then. And, like I mentioned before, today Holly, Joanne, and I are discussing the topic of what I'd wish I'd known in my 20s, and they dropped some major, major truth bombs in this episode. So, I hope you. You're ready with your thinking cap on, ready to take notes and enjoy this episode. So our first bullet point of what I wish I'd known in my 20s is what your parents said was probably true, but you still need to learn it the hard way. And boy, I can definitely relate to that. So Joanne, share your perspective on this thought process of what your parents said was probably true, but you'll still need to learn it the hard way.
2: Sure, it's kind of funny. I was um told telling my oldest son that I was going to be doing this podcast and I said, "Well, what do you think I should say?" And and that's exactly what he told me. And he's in his 30s now and has done really well. He's very successful and so I thought, "Well, that's good. At least I've been giving good advice and for the people listening, you're not going to always take it. And you'll need to discover some of those things on your own, even though they tell you what you should do, you're still going to learn some of it the hard way. And that's part of life, it's part of growing up and it's part of uh, gaining experience in your career.
0: hmm definitely. For sure. For sure. Howard, do you have anything to add? Yeah, just what she said, that idea that there are a lot of, there are a lot of good people out there. And, and I was just thinking, Joanne, when, when my, my first memory of you was right after I had started, before I'd even graduated, we got sent to like a something at the Chicago board of trade and I just remember you as being so friendly to this, you know, college, I was, I was still a senior in college, like so nice and so encouraging and friendly and we sat down and talked and um, you just had, you've just always been a cheerleader of the young um, ad communicator. And so I think just anytime when a young person can find someone like yourself who can be a good mentor or somebody to ask questions of, that's, that's a good
2: thing Mm -hmm. I appreciate that Holly and kind of along with that you know I've always looked at it as this is somebody who's going to be doing the same thing that I'm doing and so why wouldn't it be great for me to try to help them in their career and help them at least know there's somebody that that has their back that understands what they're going through and lots of times can help open some doors too just because Mm -hmm. of the context that you gain over time
1: And Joanne, you were, correct me if I'm wrong, you were head of the Ag Young Professionals Committee. Is that correct?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the Ag Communicators. Yes. Future Ag Communicators Committee.
1: Okay. Talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, it's been so great. You know, I'm not chair now. Lori Bedort is chair at the present time, but it just has been so great to meet some of these young people. And I'll tell you, I am absolutely blown away with the Quality of some of the candidates we've had for our internships and for our scholarships. We interview the top four at the Ag Media Summit every year and pick the, the one who's going to get the Jim Evans scholarship. And they're just so smart and so confident. I just don't remember ever being that way when I was that age. <laughs> but it's um, just gratifying to know that the industry is going to be in really, really good hands, not only with these young people. That are working to get into it but with our young professionals and with our um, mid-career uh, people and as well as of course many of the people who you know are at the stage of their career as i am sure
1: a little side note i was a recipient of the jim evans scholarship of 2015 do you remember yeah. interviewing me? <laughs> oh, gosh. It was in Scottsdale, <laughs> Arizona, I believe, because I remember it was like really hot that year. Gosh.
2: Well, it'll come to me in about like a couple hours. It'll all come back to me, Kelsey, but right now, no. I mean, I kind of go from year <laughs> That's to <okay>. year. And- <laughs>
1: i don't even remember who was in the room besides probably Lori. (laughs) (laughs) i was just so nervous and shaking and it was like a really it was a great interview and a little side note for all those college students out there check out those scholarships but um that was probably i think one of the best interviews that i'd ever done but it just goes to show the people in the room made me comfortable and i went out of that interview feeling like a rock star but um, that just goes to show. I think the overall overall membership of AAEA—they're all supporting us, and that's just that just feels so good to me um, in college and then right out of college as well. So,
2: I'm glad you mentioned um, the scholarships and the internships because some years it's a struggle to get young people to apply for those, and it's such a great opportunity. And our goal, you know, as a member of AAEA or any professional organization is to open doors for those young people coming in.
1: Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And I think when I um, was awarded the Jim Evans, the only part of my thank you recognition when I received it is I remember telling the students, it's free money. Like all you have to do is apply for it. Like even if you don't get it, it is free money. And now looking back fresh out of college, almost two years,
0: that it really made a difference. So Joanne, what, what about this idea that you, you you don't know what you don't know when you're starting out and that that can be good and bad. What, what's your, what's your take on that?
2: Well, it kind of goes to uh, the old adage. Ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Sometimes if we looked at the workload that we ultimately end up doing, we would probably say no to a job. But you work into a job, you know, you start out and you get acclimated and you just learn and then you end up taking on a lot more responsibilities. Some of it's just even your own ideas that you've presented and think they have merit. Well, and then you realize, oh, wait a minute, I've got to do the work that's associated with those new responsibilities too. But, um, and that's where um, when I say it can be good and bad, sometimes you end up taking on more than you can physically do. Mm -hmm. And it's all about finding that work-life balance and um, just trying to separate what you're doing on a daily basis and then seeing, okay, if there's a new responsibility, is that something I can handle or not?
1: Starting out for me, I don't know what I don't know. Like, there's nothing I can do about it until I experience both the good and the bad. Like you said, that's when I kind of find my way and also learn what I like to do and also learn what I don't like to do. And you just, like you said, you just learn through it and that will make you a better communicator, a better person. And I still have a lot
2: to learn. So Oh, and you do. And I, you know, being a continual learner, there are still things I'm learning. Mm -hmm. I went to our regional workshop that we had in Minneapolis uh, last fall, and the speaker there was so great. And there were things that I learned and kind of wish I'd learned when I was a lot younger, but better late than never, right? (laughs) Right.
1: This is something, I'll be very honest, this is something I've struggled with, and I'm sure other people have struggled with learning to take constructive criticism. I also feel like in journalism, especially, you have to take that constructive criticism. And this can go across a lot of professions, but it'll ultimately make you better. And you always hear journalists have to have thick skin. But at the end of the day, I'm so grateful for that criticism that made me a better communicator.
2: Yeah, I can tell you about um, one of my first bosses. And he looked at my editorial and he, and he only did it occasionally. He didn't do it every time. So when he did, it was like, oh, he really liked this article. Well, it would come back with all kinds of red marks all the way through it. And I still remember when he changed grocery store to supermarket. And I thought, what? (laughs) Because I live in rural Iowa. We don't have supermarkets out here, but he lived in Chicago. So of course he didn't even think about that. I probably should let it go. It's been like a long, long time (laughs) since that happened. (laughs) But, and sometimes you have to get away from a job to appreciate the great advice or um, assistance that you got from some of your previous employers. That's happened many, many times for me. And I've had some great editors. Mm -hmm. Um, When I worked at Prairie Farmer, um, Gary Reynolds was the editor at that time, and I remember uh, that he took a cover story that I'd done on John Block I'd interviewed um, and when he was secretary of agriculture and and Gary went through that and he just made, he made it sound so much better. And for me, that was kind of a turning point because I thought, okay, I don't know everything and I like to write, but there is a lot I can learn about and the elements of writing and just the feel for it, especially to our ag audience. And he and others have really, really helped me along the way in that sense.
0: I just had that same thought too, Joanne, about I remember an early story that I wrote at Prairie Farmer, and Mike Wilson was the editor who had hired me. And, um, you know, I'd given it to him to edit. And this was back in, uh, you know, where we were like working in an office next to each other. And I walked a paper copy over to him, and then he (laughs) made actual red marks on it with a pen and walked it back to me. And, um, just looking at it and going through it. And he had taken this whole chunk that I kind of like, it didn't make, you know, I knew it didn't work necessarily when I wrote it, but, um, I did it anyway. And Cause I didn't know what else to do with it. He just took it all out and made it a sidebar and mm-hmm. did a couple. And you're like, well, ta-da, there it is. Like that's, and you know, just some very simple edits that made it so much more clear to me and how much I learned just from that one story and, and, and that, that idea of just having a good editor. I think that's a lot. It's really important for a young, um, a young writer, young communicator, to have a good editor. Somebody mm-hmm. who you know, can go through your stuff and make it better, and you can look at what they did and learn from it. That's that's priceless.
2: Well, and on, on that same note, Holly, when I was um, working on a, a big series that we did on methamphetamine, and this mm-hmm. was going to be a, a series, yeah. and we were just Kind of, it was um, a breaking kind of a thing in Iowa because they use anhydrous at that time to make it. And it was a huge problem, but it really hadn't been addressed by the ag press. And I remember sending a draft of my articles for that series to uh, Fred Myers, long-time AAEA member. And Fred went through that and um, just... It was masterful, what he did. It was still my words, but he took out words that weren't needed. Like that, I'll <laughs> use that way more than we bad? should. Yes, just, me too. It jumped out at me, and it still does because of the editing that he did on that article. And mm-hmm. he made it really uh, flow so much better, and we ended up in, winning an Oscar in agriculture on that series, and I'm not sure we would have had he not uh, you know, put his hand on it. So. Sure. I really appreciate that, and it doesn't need to be somebody in your company. It can be somebody that you respect outside of the company. And, um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we can kind of talk about that a little bit more, but um, and I think another important part of that is to read good writing and to learn that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Good yes. point. Yes, here, here. Yeah, Sports Illustrated is one magazine that I used to love reading because some of those stories would just, you know, they were. Uh, They impacted your emotions as well as your intellect, and they Mm -hmm. were so well done. And so, you know, learning from good writing is another way to improve your own skills.
1: Um, Back real quick to the constructive criticism and learning how to take it. I will. I'm curious about the question I'm going to ask because I've been in a position before, um, whether it's giving someone back edits on a paper that's not necessarily younger than me. Maybe it's a colleague, and I'm helping them with an edit. How do I, as a young professional, give constructive criticism? What, but I just want to help others by giving them that feedback, and I don't want to make myself look bad doing so.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a really good question, Kelsey. I'm, I. I think um, can kind of tell you what I've done through my career when I've been asked to give criticism. First of all, I kind of um, express modest modesty in that, mm-hmm. well, this is just my opinion. You know, it's not mm-hmm. something I'm not saying, this is the best way, but it's just how I would do it. And I always start out with what I liked best out of the story. Mm-hmm. And I find something that they did really, really well. And then I'll go into, you know, it's kind of my nature to, <laughs> Be as gentle and kind as I can be on that. And then I will also end it then with something that I thought was really good about it. So they realize yeah. that it is constructive, that I'm not tearing it apart. I've had others that haven't done as good a job of that when they've edited my things. Not lately, but in the past, you know, you, you just, um, you find the right person. The person who's going to present it in a way that is palatable to you and that you can really take that advice and incorporate it in your own work. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. I would second Joanne's advice about reading good writing. If ever I'm stumped before I'm writing and I can't figure out what the problem is, usually I just need some inspiration. Like Mm -hmm. I keep a book or two of columns from a columnist that I really like, or of course now everything's online, it's very easy to access your favorite writers. Um, Mm -hmm. But just find somebody that's inspiring to you. Um, Mine was always Anna Quinlan she used to write a column in the back of Newsweek back mm-hmm. me you know, too like <laughs> what 15 10 15 years ago somewhere in there and, and before that she was a weekly columnist or maybe even daily I don't know with the New York Times um so she wrote a lot and very very decorated uh columnist so yeah. anyway just find that person that speaks right. to you so Dren what about that idea of you know that thing that we all do too much which is we're excited to take on a new thing and so we say yes and then all of a sudden we realize we're a, a hair too busy or more than a hair too busy mm-hmm. um what what's your what's your experience there been like
2: well it's a balancing act and i think this is another area where i think young people coming into the business have a much better feel for um balancing their work life um you know, all of those things that enter into it because having had a home office for so many years, mm-hmm. it's really difficult to get away from work. And I, even now, when I'm not on the same kind of schedule, I find myself working late at night and um, you do what you have to do. But mm-hmm. if it's possible to ask for help or to delegate, Holly, um, and I both know sometimes that backup person isn't there, there isn't anyone. <laughs> so you're figuring out right. a way to do it. But, you know, if there's a way that you can, um, you know, maybe uh, give someone else part of those responsibilities, it's a real balancing act because you want to be a can-do type person. You want to be that one who can take on extra responsibilities. But you just have to be so careful that you don't overwork yourself. And then you have right. burnout. I've talked to a lot of people that have gone through burnout. And it may be... Um, we may be coming to a point where employers need to realize you know, what benefits or what other things can they offer to the young people coming into these jobs, you know, whether it's memberships into AAEA or it's you know, being available for professional development. You know, there have to be some other things that make them want to stay in a job because as both of you, I'm sure know, you know, the average turnover in employees is, what, three years? It might be even lower than that now. So it makes a lot more sense for them to try to keep the young people that they have as opposed to having to interview and train and right. putting in those resources for a new employer or a new right. employee. So I think those are some really important things to keep in mind as you go forward. There's not really an easy answer. or if There is one. I haven't found it yet. And it's a lot. It should be easier now since I'm not working full time to find that balance. I still find it really difficult to say no, and I always have. But um, you know, maybe that's a starting place. You know, not to alienate yourself as a young employee who doesn't want to take on responsibilities, but to recognize, you know, your own workload and what's possible. Because if, if we take on too much, something's going to fall off. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to do right. it as well on some of those responsibilities as we'd like to.
0: Well, I think in general, in in ag journalism, we're all doing more than we used to. I mean, when I think of when I first started 20 years ago, you know, I was writing maybe three stories a month, a month.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I had And so you
0: had all this time, you know, to dive into stories or to talk to people or to get more perspective. And my goodness, you know, we write that much a week now. And that's on top of... You know, videos and audio and podcasts and, you know, everything else, All you know, all the programs that we might put on as a magazine um, mm-hmm. that have to be handled. So I, I just look at that sometimes and I think, how, how how is it that we're doing what we're doing? Technology helps us a lot, mm-hmm. I think, but maybe it makes us a little more prone to getting borne out.
2: Right. yeah I think that's probably right Holly it's yeah we're definitely multitasking a lot more than we used to if we're figuring out a way to do it but um, there's a cost to all of that too um,
1: one thing that I've started to learn is at a young age I would always say yes to everything yes I was probably yes girl and then in college I realized you need to start saying no and then when I said no, I would start to feel bad. <laughs> and then I've learned there's kind of an option to go along with no. And I've been telling people not right now. It's yes. just not good timing for me right now. Um, and I hear a lot of people say it. No is not forever. Um Try to give them a time frame if you have to say no to a project if you're a freelancer like myself if i have to say no to a project and say try, try to contact me in a couple months if you have something else that comes up it's just not good timing right now and i tell people that i'm saying no because you deserve someone that can give you an 100 to 110 yes and i can't give that to you i want to be respectful of that and because i'm i'm i want to give them quality content just i don't have the time and that's something I'm learning to do is say, no, not right now. That's a
2: really good point. And what I have learned to do also is if something is at me, it used to be that I just say, well, yes, right away without thinking about the consequences or what that yes meant. So I'll say, well, let me think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then after you've had a chance to kind of look at it in relation to all of the other things that you're doing, makes it a lot easier mm-hmm. to, to say, well, I would love to, but as you said, not right now, maybe not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: I read a book a couple of years ago called The Best Yes. And it was that idea of, you know, what do you say yes to? What do you say no to? And then, so I try and think, okay, is this the best yes in my life right now? Who wrote wrote that? I feel like I've heard that book before. You
1: bet. That's Lisa Turkhurst. Yes, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've heard of that book, and I think it's been on my reading list for like a couple years now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You
0: get a lot of strategies (laughs) in there for how to say no. (laughs) I need (laughs) that. How to to make those decisions? to clear
2: it all. So uh, along that line, if I could add something else to to that, Kelsey. You know, when you do get those, whether it's a yes or a no, I try to keep in mind my whole attitude about change. And for a lot of people, and it seems like especially as you get older, people are resistant to change. But if you have a a good, positive attitude about change, that will really help you a lot in your career. I worked with one man, um, and it didn't matter what we suggested, and it might not have been even that much additional work, but he would immediately be negative about it. And not everything else to you, it's just not a very pleasant person to be around. And he eventually was replaced. And I think part of it was just his basic attitude about what he was being asked to do. So even if inside you're not really very happy about it, just keep an even keel, you know, think about it. And eventually, I mean, ultimately, If you're going to have to do it anyway, you're going to have a lot better attitude about doing it. Right.
0: I just interviewed a master farmer, I don't know, a week or two ago, and he talked about life just being in constant transition. And I thought, Mm -hmm. man, that's right. Like it, Our lives are always, there's always transition in something because nothing ever stays the same, truly. And so our ability to roll with those punches um, and make those transition is, I think, the hallmark of our ability to be successful and happy and everything else in
2: life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: but kind of going along with um, what we what else we've been talking about. Um, one of the things you wrote is says be brave and work on your confidence. For me, um, being a little bit vul- vulnerable here, I've always not had the most confidence. But I feel like being brave and getting your confidence is kind of a slow climb. To the mountain maybe you'll I don't know if you'll ever get there but something you can constantly be working on
2: well one thing I have always told my kids is you can do anything if you put your mind to it if it's God's will if you work your hardest if you do your best I've noticed that when people do their best they almost always can excel in their field because not everyone is giving a hundred percent all of the time but when I was starting out, and and I don't know whether it's a generational thing or not, but it was just so difficult for me to um, know my own value to a company and being able to ask for a raise or, um, you know, I was one of the first people in our company um, at that particular time that worked from home. I just remember what a dilemma it was for me to even Mm -hmm. think about how I was going to ask for what I considered a privilege, but I was to the point I'd even found another job and I was ready to leave that job if I couldn't work from home. It was that important to me. And, you know, you're physically affected by that too. Um, But I think now, you know, if you can know your value to the company and you understand, you know, as we talked earlier of how difficult it is for them to replace you and knowing, you know, if you can talk about the contributions that you've made to the company, all of that's going to make a difference when you're. Um, asking for a raise or asking for some special privilege, maybe it's going on a trip that isn't in your budget, but you can outline all of the things that you'll gain from that. And yes, as I said, it's easier said than done. And I think that young people are much further ahead in that area than I was at their age. So I see i see that changing pretty dramatically. Still not, you know, you don't want to put yourself above other people who Um, Maybe have more experience. I think that's really important too, is knowing where you are in that company and being within that same range instead of asking for something that is, you know, way, way more than what would be considered, um, you know, equal or fair to the other employees in the company. I definitely
1: think it's also good in this instance when talking about working on your confidence and then making reasonable requests that a mentor definitely comes and brings a good perspective. I've been in that situation before where I think it's a reasonable request and I'm trying to work on my confidence and be brave to ask and then I've asked a mentor and they're like, well, think about this first. And so that, again, we were talking about mentors earlier. This is another instance. A mentor could really come in handy and give you that perspective of that reasonable request that you would like to make
2: yeah that's so true Kelsey and that goes back to the confidence too that's where a mentor can really help you in your confidence I mean that's what their job is and um, in what you just said I've been in that role where a person I was mentoring asked me about a job that had been offered and whether or not uh, that person should take the new job or stay where they were. And, um, you know, I think it wasn't that I offered advice, but it was just helping her talk through it, I mm-hmm. think was a big help. Joanne, I was just thinking about,
0: I think you're working from home and making that move to work, probably paved the way for me to work from home. Because I know when I started, um, the, you know, my kids said then like, well, we don't do this really very much. <laughs> Some people, you know, they, I think maybe it was just getting started with some of that idea of working from home. But in general, that was a pretty foreign deal, um, at least when I started in 98. Um, so thanks for that. I appreciate yeah, it. <laughs> it
2: really was. And that was the hope, too. And why not? Right. I mean, especially right. now with, you know, the technology the way it is, I get way more done here uh, than be working. So, on do I. so do I. But yeah. So, so it just makes sense. It's good for everybody. And you're happier because the company has allowed you to do this. And, you know, I think everybody wins. Yeah. And I think, you know, even if you don't have, you know, we talked about
0: mentors a lot, even if you don't have a mentor, you know, said with air quotes, um, I think even your ability as a young person to seek out some expert advice here and there. And I say expert by anything, you know, like I remember when I first got the offer in college for this job. You know, I didn't have any idea. Is that a good salary, a bad salary? I got Mm -hmm. no idea, you know, and I took it to an assistant dean in the college, you know, who dealt with career placement and that kind of stuff. And he was basically like, yeah, take that and run. Like, that's good. You know, and he pulled up some data and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, just talking to different people about that to help solidify that decision, Um, you know, and it's, I've done the same thing all through my career. You know, if you can find somebody to ask, like, is this normal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is this the way to go? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of good people out that can help you with that, even if they don't bear that title of mentor you know yeah
2: That's um, a, a good, good point. Good. We'll talk about that a little bit more about the networking and the people who have become great friends in this industry
0: mm-hmm. and um
2: right. people who you can ask for that kind of advice mm-hmm. right
0: so Joanne, rolling on into our next one, stop, Don't send that email or text. <laughs> think about what you're gonna say. Um, yeah, that's solid advice, I feel like.
2: <laughs> that's never happened to you though, I'm sure, Holly. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I have a couple emails I regret.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so hard, but it's all about maturity. Yeah. A lot of that comes just with experience too. But um what I always did was first I vent with my husband, which can be good <laughs> or bad. They probably don't wanna your spouse probably doesn't wanna hear it. Or I'll talk to somebody, a friend in the industry, which also probably isn't the best idea, but I will write out an email. I'll put it in a document though, not in an email because I don't want to take a chance of sending it. And I'll just write, I'll vent on paper Mm -hmm. and then I'll sleep on it. And -hmm. the next day I'll look at it and I'll think, usually I am so glad that I did not send that message because you have a different perspective of it the next day. It's all a learning experience, you know, and and I guess the other thing that I've come to learn is if someone reacts in a way that is angry or that you don't feel is appropriate, it's more likely they're not angry at you. Something else has happened in their life that is impacting the way they're interacting with others. So keeping all of that in perspective really helps you take a more mature approach when something hits you, blindsides you, and you want to make a Quick reaction to it. Don't do it mm-hmm. because you are likely, if you are not working with um, someone now that you you know maybe don't get along well with, at some point you probably will be working with that person. It's a small mm-hmm. industry, and whether they're with an agency or they're with um, you know another company or mm-hmm. they've moved in a different role like a sales role and they're with your company, you you will need everybody that you work with in sure. this industry. Mm-hmm, so you really sure. don't want to burn any bridges.
0: I've gotten to where I do not respond to an angry reader who has emailed until the next day. Like just yeah, just sit on it. There's no urgency. You know, it's not a fire that has to be put out. We're not, um, you know, curing cancer here. Like this is not that mm-hmm. urgent. Like just sit on it till tomorrow, and I can always respond better then than I would in
2: the moment. Um, definitely, yeah, for sure. And the other thing too, um. Sometimes you don't want to, I mean, my first reaction is to defend, you know, if it was a reader and someone, and there's times when, especially if they're an activist type person, Mm -hmm. I just say, I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, I'm likely not going to change your point of view, but, um, you know, I'm listening, you know, maybe at some point we can have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And it goes kind of along too with, if you've made a mistake, own up to it right away. And just say, I'm sorry, you know, this was a mistake. Even if it's not all your fault, I'll often say, this is entirely my fault. And that immediately kind mm-hmm. of just lowers that tension level. Right. And then you can actually talk about it and you've not burned that bridge that you're going to need at some point in the future.
0: Yep, for sure.
1: I actually had an instance as of re- very recently, as of this morning, <laughs> where I had sent an email, and um, the person who responded um, didn't understand quite right what I was asking or implying, and then they later called me and said I must be confused, and then they got really frustrated and. That's where I think, in that case, that I try to pick up the phone, as much mm-hmm. as it, much as it scares me to pick up the phone and talk to someone that um, they are not the happiest or they not, they maybe a little angry. And this is someone that I communicate right here to. Them. I'm not like talking about like caller read or Holly. If you right. know, <laughs> if, they're, if they're angry, I'm not talking about that. But if it's really person,
0: somebody either. out of- <laughs>
1: <laughs> if it's a person you know and you work with, pick up the phone and just say, I apologize for the miscommunication. Here's what I'm trying to lay out. And I think, and I am i don't mean to speak for my whole generation, but we're so texty, texty, Facebook messaging. I'm trying to pick up the phone a lot more, um, whether it's to my friends or whether it's to someone else. I, I start to text someone that I think, hmm, should I call them instead? And I do. And I think it just goes to show that, I'm trying to make that connection and I'm trying to avoid miscommunication because I've experienced a lot of miscommunication and it, it's a two way street. And I want to do my best part in um, fixing if there is so. And I find that one avenue I can do that is just by picking up the phone and calling
2: someone. I'm so glad to hear you say that, Kelsey. I think that's so important because, you know, the voice inflection, uh, the tone, Sometimes a tone of an email can be completely misconstrued, but okay. when you're on a phone call and you're talking, it just makes it so much better. So I'm really glad and I hope that a lot of young people feel that same way about it. Don't, you know, don't take the easy way out. Mm-hmm. You know, a real quick right. text that says sorry, you know, right. let them know. And the other thing right. too, um, I'll try to lighten the situation if I can, you know, okay. with laughter or, you know, again, you know saying it's my fault or that kind of thing and i read a quote i don't know even it's not really a quote but the the human race has one really effective weapon laughter yes so if we can lighten the mood if possible mm-hmm. yeah that's always going to help too
0: yeah right. true story Definitely. i tell Laughter's my teenagers that a lot i tell my teenagers that a lot like y'all just need to pick up the phone and talk to each other we're <laughs> talking real life
2: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um that'll be that'll, that'll work a lot better the
1: next thing we kind of we kind of talked about was don't burn bridges. Mm-hmm. Um so is there anything else we need to elaborate on? I think
2: just um really emphasizing the fact that at some point you're going to be working with people that you've worked with previously in a different role probably. And as a freelancer mm-hmm. now, I'm working with companies that I worked for, you know, back in the day, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we didn't burn any bridges along that way yeah, that's what's made this possible. That's mm. that's what's going to give you not only a, a long career in ag journalism, but a great career. I mean, just a really mm. yeah. satisfying and fulfilling career if mm. you've not yeah. burned those bridges. Because you don't want to go to meetings and have that person there, and that's going to affect the way you interact with others. It's just not worth it.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And even if, if you don't change jobs, a lot of other people change jobs a lot, you know, yeah. like... Mm-hmm. I've been in this position for, or with this company for for 20 years, and yet I've seen people move all around us, you know, either within, within ag journalism and different companies Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 um, you know, advertisers and PR professionals who move within all those agencies all the time, (laughs) you know, know it's just, we're just in constant transition and, and and the Mm -hmm. more friends you can make and keep along the way, it's just, it just makes it all more enjoyable.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've interviewed or have heard some people say, well, theirs is the best company, and they have the very best editors. And mm-hmm. having worked for many of the different companies, there's good editors in every single company. No one's got a corner on that. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, <laughs> especially if they hire someone from that company and bring them over, which happens all the time, you know, I think it's a, a recognition and a mutual respect that you have. You might not agree with the other people that you work with or in other companies, but there's that level of mutual respect that I think is important with everyone you come across.
0: Definitely. Absolutely. So, Jan, we mentioned the mentor thing earlier. Is there anything else you want to add to that?
2: No, just how important it is and how valuable it is for both. You know, we've had a formal mentoring program within AAEA, and I've been a part of that. We first did it more than 20 years ago. And it takes a great commitment on the part of both the mentor and the mentee, but the value that you gain from that relationship really can't be measured. And it's a, it's a lifelong uh, relationship that you form with these people. And it doesn't have to be a formal um, kind of a situation either. Holly, you right. know, anytime that you wanna talk, you know I'm available and there's so many right. others that are um, in that, you know, have more years at the end of their career than at the beginning who are willing to do that for you, as you know, and for you too, Kelsey. I mean, there's so many people out there that um, are just waiting to help someone really and And are available for that. mm -hmm. It's nice when they're close by, they don't have to Mm -hmm. be, but it's Mm -hmm. nice when you can get together with that person and you can sit down Mm and, you know, have a meal or have coffee or something and talk things out.
1: And, like you yeah. said, for AAEA, having their mentorship program um, and the network that just comes with that is amazing. I'll also say, um, If you're looking for a mentor, check the Alumni Association of where you graduated. Um, One of my mentors, Colleen Callahan, I randomly sat with her in the comma office at U of I like three days before I graduated, and now I work with her, and she's been an amazing mentor. So sometimes those just come out of the blue. Thinking that she was also uh, an alum from University of Illinois, check your alumni office and see if there's any mentors that they think would be a great fit. Because you have to go out and kind of try to explore that, but then you never know what might come your way.
2: That's so true. And in the AAEA men- mentorship program, you've got people like Lyle Orwick. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine having a better mentor than yes. someone like that, who not only is going to be such a great sounding board, but can potentially help you with your career too?
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, uh,
2: You know, you've got such a wealth of value and information and experience that, you know, it'd be silly not to take advantage of that.
0: Well, I think young people might be surprised how quickly they become the experienced person too. You know, you're not always going to be the new person. You know, you're in just a very short time, you know, a couple, three, four years. There are more people coming behind you who know less than you do now. Um, who could benefit from your knowledge and experience. Mm-hmm.
2: Sometimes if you're in the same age range, that makes it even easier in a way mm-hmm. because you're on that same level as far as, you know, how you can talk to that person and have them listen to what it, what advice or what uh, suggestions you're giving mm-hmm.
1: them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Absolutely.
2: So it doesn't have to be someone old like me. <laughs>
1: One of the things I've been thinking recently as well as I work through my career is the importance of giving back. So when I saw this um, on your outline, I thought, yes, that could go a number of ways of giving back. But Joanne, um, talk about that point of um, taking advantage of opportunities that come your way, but then also um, making time to give back and serve as well.
2: Well, we call it giving back but I'm really still gaining more than I'm giving. In any time when you volunteer or when you're doing things for the greater good, you get more back out of it than you're putting in always. It's just so, um, it's just valuable, and it just makes you feel more fulfilled that you're doing that and helping, you know, an organization or helping people. And the reason I say I gain more from it you know, in some of the um, chairmanships of the committees, you know including like the um, International Committee, and having the opportunity to go to some of the IFHA meetings, you know, into to Japan and to Norway and know um, oh, just so many different places, and to, to be able to meet um, editors and writers from other countries, and then having those same commonalities that we have in this country. It's just Mm -hmm. opened up so many doors for me. And not because I was looking to open the door, it just happened because I had decided that this was something that was important and I wanted to be involved. And the networking that we've established because Mm -hmm. of going to the Ag Media Summit or International Federation of Ag Journalists, any of those meetings, you know, the contacts that you make, and Mm -hmm. you'll find out that just like you, Kelsey, you know, you had interviewed um before you were in this role now. And mm-hmm. those connections, there's so many uh strings that go out to people throughout the world. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing and fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would add too, I think there's that idea of, um and, and this was the last thing on our list, but that idea of joining and taking an active role in, in your, you know, associations and organizations. Um you know, as I just sit here and think about this conversation that we've just had, like so many of these things have come up through AAEA, Mm -hmm. you know, possibilities for mentoring, possibilities for editing, like tips that I have gotten when I have had a story, you know, in a writing contest, and I've gotten it back, and they marked out every that Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I had in there, and you go, oh gosh, I, I guess I use that word a lot, and I, I should not, and, and then you learn, and you, you roll on, so, um, yeah, just a lot, as I look back over my career so far, it's just that um, AAEA has been a big part of it and, and what I've been able to learn, the people who have gotten to meet and get to know you, Joanne, and then get to work together and sit in a boardroom and learn how other people lead and how they
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, contribute. Those are those are valuable skills and, and professional development in, in, in an organization like AAEA.
2: Well, and for the young and mid-level um, journalists, when you're chair of a committee or you're involved or you're introducing somebody at Ag Media Summit, you know, they're going to remember you in those instances. And it might not be even work related, but they will see your poise or they'll see how well you handle mm-hmm. yourself. And sure. let's say they have a position open in their company. You know, that's going to stick with them. Mm-hmm. You, and you never know when mm-hmm. what you do or say when someone's listening. I mm-hmm. coaches talk about that all the time. You just never know when those eyes are watching you. And so it's mm-hmm. just really important to handle yourself as professionally as you can throughout mm-hmm. your career. Mm-hmm. You can still have fun. And there's only <laughs> times when maybe, you know, it yeah. wouldn't have been, I mean, we just had fun. We didn't do right. anything illegal Some- or immoral. <laughs> <laughs> we had fun. No
0: crimes had, no crimes were committed.
2: <laughs> Everyone <was That's> <laughs> <That's> right <laughs> i will
1: I will put in a plug um if people are listening, they're like, "Well, is it too late to get involved or what can I do?" The AEA's website is phenomenal, in my opinion. It's agcomnetwork.com. Um, like Holly was talking about the awards, um, getting your work judged, or whether it's joining, joining a special interest group, which we call them SIGs. Um, I'm a part of the um, Young Professionals one, um, and there's freelancing, there's photography, there's an editorial. Um, the ladies, Ellie and Samantha at the office, will get you involved, and we can get you connected to them but people need to do their part and reach out i can't just magically like hope someone's gonna help and volunteer their time but um reach out and there's definitely a place for every ad communicator to whether it's serving or mentorship or all these things that we've talked about today
2: Great point. Yeah. And I can't, I can't um, emphasize enough how important it is to get involved. And as I said, you're going to gain more than you give. So Mm -hmm. it's just um, a good thing to include in um, the responsibilities you have.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's up to us to to encourage, encourage people to join too. Like I can remember very easily when I first started you, Joanne, Greg Hillier, Mike Wilson, we're all very like, hey, you need to join AAEA and you need to enter things in the contest. And you need to come to meetings. You need to join a committee. <laughs> like, mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so I did. Yep, and it's paid off, right? <laughs> yes, <absolutely. laughs> in lots of ways. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, Joanne and Holly, as we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to mention um, about this topic, or just about anything in general?
2: Just, I'll, I'd like to say just how thankful I am for the people I've met in this um, industry and how so many people have helped me and hopefully I can help a few along the way too. But it's been such a gratifying career and I feel very blessed to have been part of this um, U.S. Ag Journalism uh, group of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree, Joanne. The only other thing as I was thinking about our, our topic of, of, you know, what I wish I'd known in my 20s Um, is that idea of like just do good work you know do good work and you will be known for that Um, and don't necessarily you know seek glory and fame (laughs) you know instant whatever social media recognition or whatever just go do good
2: work right well lead well and always always improve you yeah, you're always Absolutely. learning. You'll never stop learning, or hopefully, you'll never stop learning through your whole career.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do good work and be a lifelong learner. Those are definitely two big giveaways from this episode, among other things that Holly and Joanne shared in this episode today. Thank you to both of them for taking time to have this important conversation, and also thank you to you, our listener for listening to this episode i'm very appreciative if you haven't yet please subscribe on itunes or google play to our podcast and also stay tuned my goal is to soon upload the podcast to spotify this podcast keeps growing and i'm so thankful for your support so we'll be back next month with a new episode talk to you soon
0: This has been an Ag Communicators Network podcast. Thanks for listening. And please visit us online
2: at agcomnetwork.com for more great content.